0: Allah was very wise there. Sometimes we're not always that wise. The people in that passage weren't that wise. They were looking for hope. uh, And they were looking everywhere. Uh, If you just have a quick glance down at the passage, you may see, you know, they were looking down, low down. They were looking in the depths, looking to the realm of the dead, seeing if there was hope. They didn't find it there. As they looked up, they were left with frustration. And then we're told that they look out. They look out then at the earth and they're left with darkness and distress. Desperately looking for hope. Seeking to find hope. But a hope was there all along. Now, unlike Orla. Who knew where the coin was. Where to look in the right place. They had their backs turned to it. Hope was there all along. That, that's what we saw in, in chapter 7. That sign of Emmanuel. Hope was there. And in Isaiah 8. Uh, verse 17. He speaks about hope being in the Lord. That's where trust needs to be placed. The hope is there. Now, we're all looking for hope. Everyone looks for hope. The question is, are we searching for it in the right place? Are we going to spend a few moments just digging in a bit more to this passage? So if you have your Bibles with you, have them open to Isaiah chapter 8 or scroll down. To Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. As we read, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? So these people, they're looking for hope. Like that kind of example with a coin. And the place they're looking for hope is the realm of the dead. Mediums and spiritists, there's this view that somehow the dead maybe have more of an insight, a supernatural insight into life and can give this advice, can help them to give the hope that they look for. And yet we get this stinging rebuke in verse 19. Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? The dead are dead. What is the dead success rate in defeating death, in escaping death? Absolute zero. Why would you go to the dead to look for advice on how to survive? We wouldn't go to a dentist who has no teeth, would we? If you're learning to drive, you don't seek out the person who was just failed their driving test multiple times. I think that's the person that I want. They they haven't even passed their test. Why would you consult the dead on behalf of the living? They've failed to beat back death. So what useful advice, what hope can they offer? Now, of course, this is an, an ancient culture, very different to ours. This isn't the kind of thing that happens today, is it? Uh, the last two years, mediums and spiritists have said business has been booming going through this pandemic. People desperate to find some sense of hope to to find a a way out. Even just this last week on Facebook, uh, a post came up on my feed, someone offering to uh, read tarot cards. Again, dark occult powers. The thing is, Three years ago, that same person was in the same church that I was. This isn't a vain warning for us in our 21st century Western culture. It's not a vain warning for us who are sitting here this morning. Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? They can't offer hope. Uh, And whether that is consulting mediums or spiritists, or whether it's the more sort of religious Praying to dead saints. You won't find hope there. And God says don't seek that. The reason scripture forbids it. Is not because God is seeking to hold back some sort of secret insight. It's because he's seeking to keep us from things that are harmful. And things that are destructive. Why would you seek consultation from those who are dead? They have failed to beat back death. What good advice can they give you? But also how about some of the more subtle ways. That this verse may apply to us. In our present cultural context. Now widely. We may not culturally consult those who are dead. But actually it's seen as quite normal. To consult those who've never even lived. Increasingly. In our culture, that people are seeking to live by the philosophy of fictional characters. Now, just as a, a test this week, I, I typed into Google, I learned life lessons from, and just to see what the top recommendations would be. The top recommendation, I learned life lessons from Dawson's Creek. That's a late 90s teen drama that's currently streaming on Netflix. I'm assuming that's why it's at the top of the feed and not because of my search history. One of the top book recommendations was uh, Life Lessons from Lucy. And that's Lucy, the cartoon character from the comic strip Peanuts, Charlie Brown. This is is culturally where where we're seeking to, to find hope and to find wisdom. Over the last few years. Now, culturally, there's been this praise for when role models are fictional, role models are presented uh, for these groups who are like, great, we've got a role model that we can look to. There's been bemoaning when there's a lack of role models for certain groups. And this underlying belief is that people are left without hope unless they have a role model in a fictional character. Now, recently, a Tory MP made the news. Uh, for stating recasting male heroes as women risks driving boys to crime. I mean, there's so many avenues that we could potentially take that. But do you see the underlying belief that's here? The underlying belief is that we need fictional characters to consult and to guide the way. And if we don't have that, then we're left without hope. But why would you consult the dead on behalf of the living? What experience does Doctor Who really have in escaping death? What do the characters of Dawson's Creek really know about love and the challenges of growing up and of being a teenager? Now, fiction's based on sales. What it is is going to make money. What's going to draw us in? What's going to whet our appetite? It's just repeating back. Culturally, things that we want to hear. And that actually your hope is, is you. That, that, that's the cultural message. This weekend we watched the film uh, Christmas, uh, Christmas Chronicles, I think it's called. It was enjoyable. It was a film about redemption. But actually, when you look carefully at the message, it, it's about self redemption. Santa's message was you need to believe. In yourself. Hope is in you. And although as a wide culture. We may not necessarily. Seek to find hope. In the depths of the dead. Culture tells us to find that hope. In the depths of our heart. Dig down deep. That is where hope is to be found. Why consult the dead. On behalf of the living. And whether that is those who've lived and died, or those who've never lived at all. That is not where hope is to be found. Where is hope to be found then? Verse 20, consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. Uh, These words, they link back uh, to Isaiah chapter 8 verse 16. God's instruction, that testimony of warning. The thing that we saw at the front. With Isaiah and his sons as these signs. That a hope is in the Lord. And to hope in anything else is ultimately going to bring about this sudden destruction. Because it is the Lord who saves. That is the message that you need to hear. That is the message that you need to hold on to. And so verse 20 goes on to say, If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. There's a number of ways that this verse could be translated. A number of ways it could be interpreted according to what the word that is being referred to here is but either way the actual application the meaning is the same and the meaning is that aside from the lord aside from pursuing hope in him there is no light of dawn which is a picture of hope now when it's it's dark and we know we experience that at this time of year don't we the darkness we long for the light And that light of dawn, and that's a sign of hope that the day is coming. But aside from the Lord, there is no hope. There is no light of dawn. The Lord himself is light. God is light. And so if we turn our backs on the Lord, if we seek to find hope in anything else, then we turn from the light. We turn from the light of dawn and we press on further into the darkness. Verse 21, distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upwards, they will curse their king and their God. They will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Because King Ahaz, the people have rejected the Lord, the Lord who would save them. And pressed further on into the darkness, but that is not where the light was to be found. There was no light of dawn thrust into utter darkness without hope. And yet there is hope. There is hope in the darkness because of the tender mercies, because of the compassion. Of God, and so, in chapter nine, verse one, nevertheless, they will be thrust into utter darkness, but nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. The first place is to fall as this wave of oppression of these foreign nations swoop down into the nation. In the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. That place, that first experienced that wave of darkness by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. To the people who had no light of dawn, there was no light of dawn because they would not come to the Lord The Lord comes to his people. The Lord comes into the darkness. That the light of dawn comes about because the light comes into the darkness. A light has dawned. The darkness could not and it cannot confine the greatness of God. It will not restrain his love. And so we're going to sing again before we continue working through this passage. We're going to sing the carol in the bleak midwinter. Now, Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December. There's reasons why we choose that date. It is very unlikely that it was a physical winter when Jesus was born. And yet into a spiritual winter. Into the dark, into the coldness, into a land that seems dead. Jesus came in order that we might have a hope, life that is in him. He has come to us so that we may turn to him. So let's remember that truth as we stand and as we sing together in the bleak midwinter. Isaiah 9, 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, the light of dawn. You've enlarged a nation, you've increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that bur- burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And into the darkness, into that place of oppression, into that place of hopelessness, these words of hope ring out. And notice how the imagery here, and does so much of that curse that we read about in Isaiah 7. We haven't got time to go into it, so just have a look at the screen if you need that refresh. Then in verse 4, the day of Midian's defeat. That reminds us, it takes us back to that story of Gideon, where the people of God were oppressed, when they felt that they were without hope. And God brought about this great rescue. A great rescue through weakness. In verse 5, we get this picture of an end to war and conflict. All that military regalia is not simply put to one side, it's not folded up. Unlocked away. It is burned. It is never going to be used again. This is the message of hope. That into the place of darkness there is light. Into that place of scarcity. Abundance. Into a place of oppression. Peace. And where does this hope come from? What is this source of hope? And that's what we see as we look down at verse 6. For this is the reason why for, for unto us a child is born and to us a son is given. And verses 2 to 5, it speaks of they, of them. Those who are facing that, that oppression initially in that first context. The, the first hearers of Isaiah would, would have heard it as they are subject to these ruling empires. But it's to us a child is born. To us a son is given. This message of hope, it's not just to them. It's to us, to all who live, who experience the darkness. This promised child is given. And who is this promised child? Well, it it links back, yeah. And it links back to Isaiah 7. That promise of Emmanuel, God with us. And again, just bringing that up on the screen, you you may notice and see the similar patterns. Similar patterns from chapter 7 here in chapter 9. Slightly different imagery, but it's the same pattern. In both instances, this child is going to be born into the darkness, they're going to be born into that oppression. And they are going to bring about the light of dawn, a new day, a day of light. An eternal day of light. And that name, Emmanuel, God with us. Again, expressed in these verses with the different titles that are given to this child. Divine titles. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That name, mighty God, is used in chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 21. There to speak of the creator God, the God of Israel, the God who reigns and rules above all, the Lord. You see, these things here, they're not just divine titles that are bestowed on a human king. These are expressions of divinity. And in chapter 6, we see these two truths brought together. That this is a child who is going to be born. This is someone who's going to be born, but it is also the Creator God. The promise of Emmanuel was never anything less than God Himself entering into the darkness as one of us. That is why this is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus, who's come, who's entered into the darkness to bring life, to bring hope. To bring true peace. Now those of you who are in the North group. Can you remember how we we remember what biblical peace is? Dan, do you remember? Think about Jigsaw, yeah. Peace, biblical peace is piecing back together what is broken. Peace is more than the absence of conflict. It's wholeness and we see that here in these verses. He is the Prince of Peace. That in Jesus Christ... The light of dawn breaks in, the light of a new day, an eternal day, a day that will never fade or pass away of the greatness of his government and peace. Verse 7, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And I love the way the NET translation expresses these verses, seeks to capture that essence. uh, This is how it puts the final bit of verse 7 The Lord's intense devotion to his people will accomplish this. Kingfisher, God burns with an intense passion for you and desires that you have hope. And that hope is given. In Jesus Christ, hope isn't something that you need to be searching for. It is something that God has secured for you. It is secured. It is certain in Christ. And so the question we all need to ask is, where are we going to be looking for for hope today? Where are we looking for hope today? And the culture that we live in, it would seek to encourage us to to seek hope in all manner of dead things. But why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Don't look to the dead. Don't look to those who've never even had life. Look to the one who lived, who died for sins, and who rose and reigns, who has defeated death once for all. Jesus knows what it's like to experience the darkness. To experience oppression. He was born into it. He sympathizes with your weakness. But he offers more than just sympathy to you. He entered into this world, not that he might know what the darkness is like. But so that you may know what the light is like. So that you may experience the light. That eternal light that will never fade away. And because of Jesus Christ, every trial, every struggle, every burden will one day pass away. Maybe the trial that you are facing now, even if that was to continue to the end of your earthly days... It will not reign. It will not rule forever. There is only one who reigns and who rules forever. He will reign on David's throne. Establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. There is a new day that is dawning. And in Jesus Christ, that light has broken in Those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. There is an eternal, a certain, and a secure hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Hope is here. The new day has dawned, and it is in Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have such a hope. That has not been secured by our efforts. It's not something that that we need to seek by our own means. but, But you have secured it for us. Your zeal. Lord, your passionate zeal. We pray that, particularly over this Christmas period, that our minds would be focused on that true hope that we have in Christ. With all the trials and challenges that we face Lord, that we would see that there is a certain and there is a secure hope in him. That in Christ, the light of a new day has dawned. Lord, that eternal and glorious kingdom. Now may we put our trust in Christ today. Amen.